1: Pump day. Lucky Lucky Podcast. Your boy SD2 Mike's right here. Of course, I'm not solo right now. Got my big bro in the building. Left is in the friendly skies. He lands in 30 minutes. So we're going to give you since we missed you guys yesterday because Left was doing Eastern Michigan and Akron on CBS Sports Network. Great game. Went to overtime. Can't wait to recap a little bit of that with Left when he taps in. But of course, we are on CFD Nation, man, courtesy of Twisted See, It's better harmony, bro, when I got Malik with me. We know how to harmonize a little
2: bit.
1: <laughs> you know, brother, even one of y'all are great singers, man. Oh, oh, you are, you already know. Yeah. You, already, you know how it is when we get in the crib by ourselves or in the shower, yeah. everybody thinks they can, you know, do a little tune you know sing something like the whispers of earth wind and fire and Mm -hmm. you know try to act like we're one of the lead singers but man it's a great day college football plenty to talk about and who better to talk about it with than our big brother here on the program coach carl reed college football analyst 24 7 sports and CBS Sports, man. I just realized that you and Malik are brothers, man. You guys are both locked in with CBS Sports. Yeah, man. Uh, they excited
3: about him over there. He doing some great things, man.
1: He, uh, his knowledge,
3: man, and his in in his experience is what he accomplished as a player. It just gives him a different point of view and perspective, you know, when he's on the call for the game, man. So it was it's a big addition to the group.
4: For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: Man, I love, love watching him and listening to him. I tell him every week, bro, you get better every week. With every game, just keep grinding, you get better. He, True story, Notre Dame fans would love this. You'll love this too. He was supposed to do the uh, Fresno State game on Saturday, last Saturday. He got the assignment like the previous weekend. So he gets a call on Tuesday saying, you know what? We're going to have you call the Colorado State game and fly you to Colorado instead of staying home. Because that was his first game in his home state, so he was happy. He's been flying to the East Coast yeah. pretty much all season, four hour flight, worn out. He's like, man, I get to stay home. He gets the call and was like, "Uh, yeah, Big Aaron wants to stay home and do the uh, Fresno State game, so we are gonna send you to Colorado. Hey, he said, man, you know, it was my Notre Dame brethren, so I, I was cool with it, yeah. but <laughs> Aaron Taylor. Has a little more seniority, and he was like, You know what? Take Malik off that game, give me the Fresno State game, yep. and send it to Colorado. But he said he was cool with it, he understood, and he said, That's my big brother, man. So I'm all good with it. Notre Dame fans, you probably love that story. Let's get to it, bro. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of things, we're going to talk about scandal, recruiting, transfer portal. You've been doing a lot of educating and putting forth a lot of tweets about what's going on right now with these recruits and how important it is for parents to educate themselves during the process. So in 30 minutes, we're going to try to stuff a lot in. If you have any questions for Coach Carl Reed, go ahead and put it in there. GTB, get to the bag. That's what we do best here. So put GTB, your question, and we'll get it to Coach Carl Reed before we get out of here. The relationship between Sam Hartman and Notre Dame fans has become a little rocky because of disappointment in his performance. You know, we can sit here and place a lot of blame. We could talk about injuries, offensive line system, play calling, all of that. But I want to go back to the genesis, which was Tommy Reese reaching out, having a conversation with him and convincing him that Notre Dame was the place for him and Tommy Reese having the vision and having to sell him the vision to get him to choose Notre Dame. In your opinion, what's the impact of Tommy leaving and going to Alabama and the person that had the vision for Sam Hartman no longer being there? And Do you think that plays a part into what we've seen on the field from Sam Hartman?
3: Well, it's significant because Sam Hartman was successful at Wake Forest playing a very specific style of offense. Mm -hmm. And I think that Tommy had a vision on how he could build on that. And so if you look at it, like I, I remember I told you guys when I was on here in the spring when the move was going on, I said, guys, Tommy Reese is a lot better than what you guys are giving him credit for. Tommy Reese is a very good offensive play caller, which is why one of the main reasons that Alabama is about to play in another SEC championship game, And if they win, they'll be in the college football playoffs. Tommy's done an incredible job with Jalen Milrow. So I think that um, when you have a coordinator change, you can't just put Sam Hartman into a cookie cutter offense. He runs a lot of slow mesh routes, a lot of crossing stuff he did at Wake Forest. You almost have to build around exactly what he did there. And because he's not a he's not a nine route thrower. He's not a he's not a guy that can throw every single route on the chart. There's some things that he does really well, but there are some throws that he really struggles to make. So when you're building your offense around him, you got to understand
1: that. Notre Dame offensive coordinator, Jared Parker said this yesterday during his press conference. As a coach, I have to get your opinion. I have to. He was questioned about the number of play action plays that was called against Clemson. They only called two, if I'm not mistaken, maybe it's three play-action plays the entire game. He said Clemson is a man-to-man defense. And when you're facing a team that's primarily man-to-man, you know, it's really no need to throw a lot of play-action because of the eye discipline or because of their eyes. What's your thoughts on that? And do you subscribe to that as a coach?
3: Well, it depends on what kind of play-action we're talking about. Are we talking receiver play-action because – if you're talking outside receivers, then he would be correct. They're playing man-to-man defense anyway. But things that have to do with the tight ends, with the slot receivers coming across the middle, those play actions can hold those linebackers and open up passing lanes on the middle of the field. So I try not to question play calling from coaches because they know their teams you know, better than we do. Mm-hmm. But I do think that play action is an important part of the game, especially for the guys that play in the box.
1: Where do you see the program right now in year two under Marcus Freeman? Because a lot of people are panicking right now when it comes to Marcus Freeman and his program. You know, you cover recruiting, I cover recruiting. I tell people all the time, you position room by position room, they're better than they were at the end of Brian Kelly's regime at Notre Dame. So as much as you might not be seeing what you want to see on the field, Um, At the foundation, from a talent standpoint, things are improving. Well, how do you assess what things are in the Notre Dame program?
3: I tell people all the time that comparison is the thief of joy, right? Mm, mm. Um, When a guy like Brian Kelly leaves, you know, now everybody hated him. Nobody liked him. We, we, We can't stand the guy. He's this, he's that, you know, whatever. Brian Kelly is a damn good football coach. He's won everywhere he's been, at every single level, from Division II all the way up to the top level, he's won. He knows how to run a football program. Anytime your head coach leaves, there's going to be a transitional point. Notre Dame is a very tough job for that to be your first head coaching job. That wasn't Brian Kelly's first coaching job. It was like his fifth head coaching job. So he had a lot of experience at that point you know, in how to run a program. I think Marcus Freeman is on a good trajectory for his second year being the head coach at Notre Dame for some of the staff losses that he endured, for some <clears> of the players, the turnover that they've had. And also, he's in a new era. He has to build his program in a transfer portal, and NIL era, which is different. Notre Dame is not necessarily very competitive as some of these other schools when it comes to NIL money. So that also adjusts recruiting a little bit. So I think he has still been able to recruit though at a high level. He has still had um, really good recruiting classes. I think Marcus Freeman is going to do a really good job at Notre Dame. You know, Notre Dame is is a program where everybody wants to win a national championship. And so anytime you're not in a
1: race, there's going to be some criticism, you know, and it comes with the job. I want to go to your home state. The show me state. You know, I'm right next door to you, coach. It's a rivalry, man. We got the big rivalry coming up with the game, fighting Illini in Missouri coming up in about three weeks, bragging rights. You know, you, I missed the football game.
2: Mm-hmm. I
1: don't know who backed out of it. I think it was Illinois that backed out of the series, but I missed the football yeah. game to yeah. start the season. Um, I want to get your thoughts on the talent in St. Louis that I think has been vastly underrated. Up until now, because I think teams are recognizing Power 5 teams, big-time teams. Notre Dame has definitely recognized it because they keep going back there every year. They got Aeneas Williams coming in this year. You know, they got Christian Gray from last year. You can go back to Gabriel Rubio, uh Tyson Ford. They continue to mind the St. Louis area. Don't forget Kyron Williams. Kyron Williams, even before that. just And I'm sure I'm missing some others because they, they really committed to that area Um, uh, jeremiah love yeah i failed to mention what is it about that area right now because it seems a lot of urban areas we know how the migration and some of these northern um, urban cities like chicago a lot of kids from chicago you see them now playing out in california because their family moved or down south because their family moved st louis has continued to like create D1 Power 5 top prospects year after year. What is going on in St. Louis, man?
3: I mean, it's been like that for a long time, man. Like, this this, 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 this is nothing new. It's always been an incredible amount of players. I mean, I can go back to the 90s. We had Ken Berry from Priory High School who went to Notre Dame and played running back at Notre Dame. You guys may remember when James Aldridge was at Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. Now, he played his senior year at Maryville High School in Indiana.
2: Indiana. He's
3: from St. Louis. He's a born and raised St. Louis guy um, up through his junior year of high school, and then his dad got a job out there in Maryville. So there's been a bunch of big-time players from St. Louis. When you look around the league, you got Jamison Williams, played at Alabama, first-round pick, um, Sheldon Richardson, Um, Ronnie Perkins now is playing on the Denver Broncos. I mean, you just got a bunch of guys from the city, and we have a tremendous participation in youth football. Our JFL Junior Football uh, League programs in St. Louis is second to none, and I think those kids can compete against anybody in the country. But we've got a lot of guys who have had a lot of success playing college football. Some of the best players in the nation are from St. Louis. Just had the number one wide receiver in the country, Ryan Wingo, going to the University of Texas um, in the class of 2024. Yeah. Um, Luther Burden, you see what he's doing at the University of Missouri. You know, so I mean, it's just a bunch of really, really talented guys. Miles McVay plays on the offensive line at the University of Alabama. Toriano Pryde is playing corner at Clemson. Um, A bunch of really talented guys, and it's an easy area to travel to for coaches, major metropolitan city with a good airport. So all the college coaches come through. It's been a lot of talent. Zeke, how did I forget Zeke? Ezekiel Elliott, another St. Louis guy. So it's been a bunch of guys coming out of there.
1: It's a guy from St. Louis that's constantly on our show called Coach Vic, and he's always repping St. Louis hard in the chat. Hard in the chat.
3: I know Vic, that's my dog.
1: That's your dog. Yeah. And uh, Vic and I did it to it because I said, Look, I said the best two programs in the state of Illinois, just all around athletic programs, are probably Simeon and East St. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about basketball, baseball, football, just constantly like producing top talent. I said, the Simeon and East St. A boy, Coach Vic starts throwing out names, and I'm like, Coach Vick I'm not being disrespectful. I'm just saying – I didn't say who was one, who was two. I'm just saying this is the best. And I, I look at that area, and I see why Coach Drink has been able to do the job he's been able to do with the Missouri Tigers, man, and why they're sitting in the top 10 of the college football playoff rankings. I thought – Early on against Georgia, I thought they had a really good shot in that game, Coach. I really did, and then Georgia just kind of took over. But uh, you mentioned Luther Burton. I want to transition and use his situation because Coach Drinkowicz, uh, Drinkowicz before the season was very open about uh, allowing Luther to be best in the slot. And the reason this is kind of twofold because the wide receiver position at Notre Dame especially with injuries has been a problem to a lot of fans and it's kind of stagnated the offense in the eyes of a lot of people but Luther Burden was moved to the slot and his game exploded and he played a little bit more outside last year and I think he talked about Marcus LeVette and how he was mainly in the slot last year and once he transferred it allowed you know Luther to really move to a position that'll allow him to that's explode on the scene and use more of his talents. With the transfer portal, in my opinion, I don't think the transfer portal is what it is quite, is going is what it's going to be quite yet. I think it's still evolving. And I think coaches and everyone around college football are trying to figure out like how where's this thing gonna land? You know, where's it eventually going to just settle? But just talk about that, the willingness of kids to, like, leave programs where they have success, to go to another program, what goes into that decision-making. Some people say it's a lateral move for LeVette to go to Georgia from Missouri. And if he had stayed in Missouri, how more formidable the offense could have been. But yet still, his move allowed Luther Burden to go to the slot, and it kind of exploded. Just talk about that and that dynamic, and what's really going into the thought process of these young men, because you've been educating a lot of them offline.
3: Well, I think that you have to look at every situation from um, an individualistic point of view. The thing, the reason that that Dominic Lovett had for leaving Missouri and going to Georgia are his reasons and his alone. But yeah. can you argue with going to a program that hasn't lost a game in three years, right? And <laughs> that that's you know that's trying to compete for that third straight national championship. Now his role was reduced in that move on the flip side of that. You can't have a revisionist history because the Luther is playing the position that Lovett would be playing. So mm-hmm. if Lovett was still at the university of Missouri, he would be playing in the slot and Luther would still be on the outside. And we would be talking about Dominic Lovett being a first round draft pick and maybe not potentially Luther. So, mm-hmm. you know, he got to step into that that star role, that featured receiver spot in that offense. I think that when I talk to kids the most, what I tell them is, you have to be willing to accept the outcome for the decision that you make, right? So if you choose to leave and it doesn't work, you got to be able to live with that. If you, if you choose to stay and it doesn't work, you got to be able to live with that. I think that they deserve the right to make those decisions um, on their own. But, you know, and some people make it for different reasons. Some people it's a football decision. Some people it's an NIL decision, you know, but for whatever reason you make that decision, you got to live with it.
1: Yeah. Where do you see the evolution of the transfer portal, Coach? Because you predicted on our show, i want to say over a year ago you said look man this transfer portal is really going to start affecting high school juniors and seniors and their decisions of where they go and schools are going to prefer to go into the portal and to go get some of these kids and when you said it it really kind of hit me like wow i guess you're right and what is what are the next steps in the evolution of the transfer portal in your opinion? The transfer portal
3: is going to be bigger than National Signing Day, you know, wow. the, the, the opening day of the transfer portal. I know we, we have a big show that we do at on it on 24-7. Um, the thing is, what it has done with high school kids, to be honest with you, you know, now that I look really deep into this, it hasn't hurt them as much as it placed them where they should have initially probably been, mm-hmm. Right. So if you're one of the top 100 to 150 players in the country, the transfer portal hasn't affected you at all. You still, Those guys still have the option to go to all of the top schools in the country. Like the transfer portal didn't affect Jeremiah Love. It didn't affect Christian Gray, right? It didn't affect those guys. They could have played anywhere in the country that they wanted to go. But it does affect the guy who maybe is an FCS player, but he can sneak in the Eastern Michigan, right? It affects a guy who probably should have been playing at Eastern Michigan, but, you know, he might have got an opportunity to go to Illinois. He might have got an opportunity to go to Minnesota. So now what it's forcing you to do is it's forcing you to go somewhere and prove that you can really play. The example that I use with everybody is Cody Schrader, the running back at Missouri. Cody Schrader is a guy that I felt like was a Division I player coming out of high school, but instead of crying about being slept on and all that, he went to a Division II school. He led the nation in rushing. Then he went in the portal. Now he's at Missouri. He leads the SEC in rushing. Just the productivity, if you really are productive, then guess what? It's going to all work out for you anyway.
2: Keep it twisted. Coach Carl Reed,
1: right here, college football analyst CBS Sports 24-7 sports. And don't forget the podcast. Coach Reed Live. Hey, Coach Reed is some of the swaggiest, dopest guests on his podcast. In any pod on any podcast in college football. I'm telling you, tap in with Coach Reed Live, Instagram, Twitter, Coach Reed Live the Podcast. You need to tap in. It's one of the best podcasts out there. Talking with him right now, CBF Nation, Twisted T, CFB Talk. What were your thoughts on the rankings last night? Did you think Georgia has done do you think Georgia's dumb enough to jump Ohio State to that number one spot? And you talked about Tommy Reese and Alabama. We'll let's go ahead and forecast that SEC championship thing. Like, is that going to be a typical saving Kirby smart battle or do you think one team has the upper hand going into that game at this point?
3: You know, it's going to be a typical battle, Um, but Georgia has the advantage because Georgia's won the last couple of matchups and Georgia is the, the, the reigning champions. Um So, and they, they might have a little psychological advantage because these kids at Alabama haven't beaten Georgia yet. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's a difference. But one thing about it, I think, man, nobody prepares their team better than, um, than Nick Saban in the country. Yeah. Who's consistently been better at producing the kind of team you need than he has, right? In terms of the college football playoff rankings, what I always say to that is that, it always plays itself out. Ohio State, Michigan, somebody's got to lose their game. That's going to knock somebody out. Georgia, Bama, knock somebody out. Like all, It always plays itself out by the end of the season. But I do think that you don't have one clear-cut favorite team. You're going to have to play really good football. And I do think that if it comes down to coaching, because the teams are evenly matched, You got to give the edge to Nick Saban.
1: You know what? I am really looking at this, and what Georgia and Kirby are doing is, man, is beyond impressive. And I said this early in the year. I thought this was a year where the chase for the national championship was more wide open than it's ever been, because there really was no great team to start the season. But I said there's one team that has an opportunity to be great, in my opinion. And I felt like Georgia was that team. I was like, Georgia is the team that has an opportunity to be great. And I still kind of feel feel that feel that way. You know what impresses me the most about Georgia, especially offensively, Coach? And please, you know, tap into this. They have a chess piece. Nineteen is a hey, eight. He's a dude, man. He he's a dude, right? Four star wasn't a five star, but when you he gets there. He's a five star in the field. Like I, I care less what his recruiting ranking is. He's a chess piece. He goes down against Vanderbilt, and Lab McConkey becomes the chess piece. They they're not doing anything spectacular, man. They just have their chess piece. They use their chess piece and motion and other things to dictate and give that their, their young quarterback the idea of what's being done by the defense. They, they started to run the ball a little bit better the last two games because they were struggling running the ball a little bit early in the season. And then they just run a lot of comebacks, crossing routes, and Carson Beck has done a really good job of protecting the ball. He struggled against Auburn with that, that's why that game was close. But as the season is going on, you saw him mature. And that was my thing, like if Carson Beck matures and they can run the ball and that young defense, they lose their captain on defense and everybody was worried about, oh, man, what are they going to do without their middle linebacker and captain against Ole Miss and that offense? And (laughs) C.J. Allen comes in and just true freshman just balls out. I think they are potentially the one great team that, that could be standing at the end of the year. But I'm impressed with what, like you mentioned, they haven't lost a game in three years. And I'm impressed with what, in this current state of college football, what Kirby Smart has been able to do. Well, what he's been able to do, he's been able to recruit at a very high level, Mm -hmm. and he's not letting
3: his team beat themselves. Yeah. They're very sound on defense, but even more sound, they man, they are always very freaky with the level of talent that they have. If you've ever been down there and seen them guys there are some freaky deaky dudes.
1: Yo, Malik, Malik always says the first day of practice from him when he transferred to Florida, he said, dude, them dudes up front down there, they totally different. Yeah, he said it's totally different. So it's what you're talking game. about, yeah. And from an
3: offensive standpoint, they, they play very basic, but they allow their offensive line to work. They yeah. complete – the passes on the route tree and then they run the ball downhill effectively. They play assignment football, but they're playing it with the best players that college football has to offer. Them. Yeah. And Brock Bowers is from a different planet. Man. You know, so he's he's something altogether different.
1: Who else, in your opinion, has a chess piece like that offensively? We have some great offenses. I can't wait to see the Marvin
3: rematch of or- Ohio State with Marvin mm. Harrison. Mm. Uh, if Marvin Harrison doesn't get hurt last year in the playoffs, we may be having a different conversation with True. Ohio State and Georgia.
1: True.
3: You True. know, those are those are guys – football is a numbers game, but when you have players like Harrison and Bowers, you can change the numbers because it takes two and sometimes three people that, to have, that you have to put focus on them because mm-hmm. they can completely take a ball game over.
1: We're probably going to see a rematch of Oregon and Washington out west you think Washington can pull it off again? And if not, is there any chance that both teams can still get to the playoff if Oregon ends up winning that Pac-12?
3: I don't see them both getting in. The winner's getting in. The loser's going to be out. Wow. You know, um, it's tough beating the team twice, but they can do it. Washington does not get a lot of credit because Coach DeBoer is not – he doesn't talk a lot. He doesn't really make himself very accessible. You know, from a media standpoint, but man, he's a special football coach, man. He's done a lot of winning. Everywhere he's been, they they win. He started his career off as a NAIA national champion, won several national championships at the NIA NAIA level. Um, but Washington is loaded offensively at the receiver position, and they got a quarterback who can get them the ball that's been with his head coach for a really long time. So it's going to be an exciting game you know but uh we'll see how it goes
1: as we get ready to let coach reed go we greatly appreciate you today coach for joining us i want to throw something at you. why does it seem like the scrutiny of one caleb williams has hit an all-time high because i you know I know that the game he had against Notre Dame, like, yo, Al Golden just, you know, admittedly said, yo, I called my former employee, Coach Amarula, asked him about the game plan we used in the AFC Championship game against Patrick Mahomes. And we kind of implemented that same game plan against him that day, pushing him to his left in the pocket and, you know, just covering downfield and trying to rattle him and we got him to turn the ball over but he hasn't turned the ball over now he hasn't been as spectacular as you know his heisman season and everything but he hasn't been turning the ball over via the past his ball security is something that the last two years because he's such a playmaker that's something he's going to have to clean up the fumbles and everything but why do you think the scrutiny is hitting all-time high for caleb williams And is that something that you feel like he's brought on himself? Well, you know, they build you up
3: to tear you down. It's like Jay-Z said in the song. They build you up to bring you down and tear you down again. They say, bring him back to life so we can kill his ass again, you know. And that's kind of what Caleb is going through. Um, When you win the Heisman Trophy, when you're on every commercial, when you leave oklahoma and go with usc in a very country controversial move by not only your head coach but yourself and you go to a program that wants championships the criticism comes with it when they say you're the number one pick when they say that you're willing to go back to college if you don't get the uh if the right team doesn't give you what you want in terms of coming out You know, but the bottom line is this. You haven't – you didn't win. Yeah. And and whether you're on TV every day or not, whether you say the right thing or you don't, people want you to win. And everybody can't win. In order for there to be winners, there has to be losers. You can't have a Washington and an Oregon without winning, without having a USC losing. You know, and so that is the game. You know, and unfortunately, if you want to be a player, if you want to be a coach, if you Marcus Freeman and you want to be the coach at Notre Dame and you don't win, there's an expectation. If you Caleb Williams, there's an expectation. No matter who you are, you Harbaugh, Harbaugh had a rocky start at the University of Michigan. There's an expectation for winning. If you don't win, they're going to fire you. If you don't win as a player, they're going to criticize you, right? And it doesn't matter if you you want to cry and lay up and watch movies with your dogs or your fingernails got painted. That kind of stuff only matters if you lose. If, if you if you would have won and said you wanted to watch TV with your dogs, you'd have a commercial about TVs and dogs if you were winning. Right. But when you lose, man, people just, they can't wait to come for you when you lose, you know, and that's just part of the game. and. and it's the life you
1: chose. Speaking of that, as we get ready to let you go, Coach, and we appreciate you, have you ever seen two head coaches face each other one weekend and both get fired the same weekend? I've, I've never, ever seen that, right? Jimbo wins 51-14 over uh, Mississippi State. He gets th- dismissed. People said that the decision was made before the game or prior to the game, and then Zach Arnett, Gets dismissed from Mississippi State, I believe, on that Sunday night, late Sunday night. um I've never seen anything like it. And, you know, how do you see that Texas A and M, which is a prime job? You know, is Dion Sanders a real contender for that job? A Dan Lanning came out publicly and said, "Nah, I'm not going anywhere." You know, who who are some of the candidates that you see? Because Notre Dame, Notre Dame fans want to know because. Notre Dame's first game of the year in 2024 is Texas A&M down at College Station.
3: Well, they'll know sooner or later. Um, I've talked with Coach Sanders and Coach Lanning in the last 48 hours, and neither one of them um, is, a, is a real candidate at this point for that job. They both are focused on building up Colorado and Oregon's programs and um, in, in the work that they're doing there. Um, but in terms of um who they should go get if i was texas Mm a&m right and my expectation was national championship i would only go hire somebody who has demonstrated that they can consistently put their team in that position and i would be willing to pay them whatever it took so i would look at Dabo sweeney Mm -hmm. um who at clemson doesn't have the nil situation that some other guys and it's causing them to lose some
1: recruiting. Now, is that because of Dabo's approach or is that the pushback from Clemson administration because the narrative has been Dabo has pushed back against NIL a little bit?
3: Well, you don't, I don't really pay attention to narratives. I pay attention to what I know to be true. Mm -hmm. You know, Dabo wants to win more than anybody and they're not competitive from an NIL standpoint. You know, when when you get down to what's going on in recruiting today. And so sometimes when you say you don't like something, it's because you know that you don't have access to what it takes, you know, to compete. The second person that I would go have a conversation with would be Urban Meyer. Because Urban Meyer has demonstrated with consistency that he can compete at a national championship level. You know, that's what I would do if it was me.
1: All right, once again, Coach Reed Live on Instagram and Twitter, Coach Carl Reed. Don't forget, College Football Analyst, you can catch him on 24-7 Sports and CBS Sports. And don't forget, Coach Reed Live, the podcast. Anything else you want to pop that you have coming up, Coach? Man, we all good. You tune in
3: to us on 24-7 on Monday, December 4th, when we do the Transfer Palooza show. I think you guys will all really enjoy it. We got some special guests coming on and groundbreaking transfer portal recruiting information.
1: Transfer Palooza, December 4th, and it's flip season. It's man, it's going crazy right now in college football, end of the season, going into the playoffs. It's the best time. Thank you, Coach Carl Reed, for joining us today on the Lucky Lefty podcast. We love and appreciate you, big bro. All right.
4: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why?